Welcome to the Sophisticated Marketing Podcast, live from the Festival of Marketing. My guest today is Sam Fay from uh, Guinness Book of World Records. Um, Sam, what is your title at, at, at Guinness? I'm Senior Vice President for Global Brand Strategy at Guinness World Records. And you just uh, finished speaking today? I just finished speaking on the Realizing Your Potential stage, and I was talking about how to find your superpower. Oh, uh, and, and how do you find your superpower? Well, I have an acronym called DREAM, so it's about discovering your potential, it's about retreat, you might need to take a step back, and it's about finding mentors, and it's about sharing your dream with the world, so it's kind of good. Uh, I, I, I like that approach, very cool. Um, so, Sam, I got to tell you, uh, I grew up a big fan of Guinness, as I'm sure uh, lots of people did. Uh, Andrew, on, on, on the LinkedIn team over there, uh, was just talking about uh, his his. Uh, how, how he bought the book uh, many times. And, and uh, I remember this book was uh, the most important book of the year. I got it every single year. Uh, when did you first come across the Guinness Book of World Records? Well, I think similar to you, I loved it as a kid. And I loved Record Breakers and looked up to Norris McWhorter, who ran the show in the UK. And yeah, I was a fan of the book. So to end up working, and I actually worked with Norris McWhorter for two years as well, who was the founding editor, to end up working for them was, yeah, kind of a bit of a, a dream come true, really. And so I'm assuming that the audience knows the story, the backstory of where this came from. Uh, I found out, I thought, I just never put two and two together. I love the book. I love Guinness beer. Uh, I'd never been to the brewery before. But um, can you talk a little bit about uh, where this came from, where the idea came from? I certainly can. So it was back in 1951 at a shooting party in County Wexford, Ireland, where the then managing director of the Guinness Brewery, Sir Hugh Beaver, wondered aloud to himself, what is the fastest game bird? As you would on a shooting party. Is it the, far, is it the golden plover or is it the grouse? No one knew the answer. None of the books in the vast library held any clues. So he commissioned fact-finding twins from Fleet Street, Ross and Norris McWhorter, and put together the first book of superlatives. And a little-known fact is that the first books had beer-proof covers and were kept behind the bar to solve pub arguments. It was never meant to be sold. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and was there any inkling of an idea of what it would evolve into? Uh, and, and when do you think that it really became this global phenomenon? Um, well, it became the best-selling book in 1954 when Norris took it into W.H. Smith's and they agreed to take five copies as the first order. Um, and it became the number one Christmas bestseller. And so we still sell uh, 2.7 million books every year. So it's still reading. Wow. People are still reading. And, and what's, the most, uh, what's the most impressive record that you've ever come across? Oh, that's I difficult. like the fingernail guy. I thought he was always really interesting. Um, fingernails, um, longest fingernails on a man, on a woman, they're both interesting. On the back of my business card, I have the world's tallest man, living man, who's eight foot three, Sultan Kozan from Turkey, because I spent a week with him in New York. And as we walked around, he said, this is the first time I've ever felt small. So <laughs> he is one of my favorites because I spent some time with him. Does he, does he talk like this? This is the first time I've ever... Does he have like a really deep... I mean, imagine if you're that tall, you have a very deep voice. He does have a deep voice. Yeah. He does have a deep voice. And he did hold the record for the largest feet and largest hands as well. Wow. What is, and what does he do when he's not uh, breaking records? Um, he now lives in Istanbul and he just got married. So he found love, which is great. Um, but no, he's not currently working as far as I know. So... Uh, Sam, I'm not sure if you know, but there's a record breaker in the crowd who was actually part of a record breaking group, and it was uh, Joe Wicks. Ah, Joe Wicks, yep. I'm not familiar with Joe Wicks. Do you know this gentleman? Um, I don't know him personally, but I do know the record and the record attempt. Um, and it went completely crazy on social media, I believe, and it was a lot of fun to do, I think. Yep. 
and, and the record was uh, most active exercising people doing not doing yoga in a park setting in London on a Tuesday? I think it was in Hyde Park. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, when a record is being broken, uh, there has to be a Guinness official there to, to actually confirm it, right? There doesn't have to be, but it's the fastest route to getting it authenticated at the time, which is obviously you get the PR for it. So if there's an official Guinness World Records adjudicator, which I presume there was at your event, then we can verify it on the spot. But if you personally wanted to break a record, then you just need two independent witnesses and you need to send your evidence in to us. So it depends if it's an individual breaking a record or a brand breaking a record. Wow, and you were, we were talking about this just a minute ago before we started the show, uh, the number of records. Uh, what's, the, what's the country that submits the most? Um, the most applications we get is from America. Yeah, no, no surprise, right? And then, and then uh, Andrew uh, on my team over there is, is saying, what's next in line? Uh, India. India. And then far, a little bit farther down? Uh, Nigeria. Nigeria. <laughs> uh, Andrew, of course, uh, had a product here at LinkedIn, is uh, from Nigeria. Why, why do you think it's India and Nigeria so close behind uh, the States? It's a good question, it cha and it changes a lot each year. So we also get lots of applications from Australia and New Zealand tend to be the sort of more extreme records. Lots of UK, British people applying, but it, it changes. I think there's a global fascination. And if you look at our, our sort of followers on, on LinkedIn and on Facebook, you'll see the range of countries. I mean, it does change every year. And so uh, do you hold any records yourself, Sam? Oh, you see, we're not allowed to hold records. Really? But I'm very good at the fastest time to put together Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> now, do you have two witnesses, and is that verified? Well, I do this for my two sons, so they think I'm a super cool mum, but I do it in about 16 seconds, and the record is 8.8 .8 seconds. So wow. I'm not the record holder. But we do have fun in the office on a Friday. We do try records out. Wow, that is cool. So that, that is a real That's record? A real it's record. In, the, fastest, it's in the book? Fastest time to put together Mr. Potato Head is a real record, and it's in the book. Wow. Uh, and... and so I guess with digital transformation taking uh, um, you know, a, a published book and then transforming that experience online, what's that been like for Guinness? And, and obviously you have no shortage of stories to tell, but uh, what's the transformation been like and what, what did you learn along the way uh, uh, most recently, I would say? That's a huge question. I mean, as a, as a publishing company, that's, and that's all we did, to make that transition and giving away content for free, there's been some really interesting arguments, you know, between editorial department and records management department. Um, but I think for us, and I, I always say this, is almost thank goodness for social media, because all of those stories that were just in the book, you know, in a, in a library or in a book that was closed, you know, for maybe most of the year, now those stories can be out there and can be shared by everyone. So it's the sharing of stories um, I think that's been one of the biggest transformations of our business. And I would assume that even some of the smallest, most niche stories that probably would have never, would have gotten lost in the book, have a chance to be just as viral as the big ones, right? Uh, are, there, are there any, what's the, what's the, I guess we talked about the biggest one, what's, what's the most small niche? How, I mean, how, where do you stop, uh, or do you just, is everything, is every record that could possibly be a record considered? Well... Record applications come into us. We don't seek them out because we're the authority. But it might be a company like um, P&G wanting to do the largest bar of soap. So they might want to do that <laughs> record. And then Unilever might decide to do a bigger bar of soap. So you have the big companies doing this, but you also have the small companies. One of my favorites was a fancy dress shop called Escapade, who did the most people dressed as Superman and superheroes. And it went absolutely crazy for them. And they never realized they get so much publicity. So it's really about the imagination of the brands and agencies and coming to us with the idea. That's, there's no other limitation. So 
So that's really interesting. You bring in um, so so brand so it's, it could be a branded campaign. Uh, yeah. It could be a PR uh, a, a PR pitch. Um, how I guess the bigger question is. Um, how does a content marketer get a lesson from Guinness in transforming something into a campaign? I think it's the same as any classic campaign. But if you're, for example, if you're going to do the most people dressed as Harry Potter, for example, um, or something on World Book Day, then you take that content, you say that you're, you crowdsource the people, so you get them interested in breaking a record, you go out on all the social media channels, and then you make sure that you've got that, that all of that communication and press. And then it's about the, it's about the, brilliant pictures and that you hope are going to go in the book if our editor selects it and then using the Guinness World Records branding afterwards and just making the most of it as a campaign but we absolutely know from working with PR agencies which is what we've done forever I never met a PR that hadn't always considered do you reckon we could do a record out of that and so I think that's really where it started was in the PR industry have you ever had one come up that's just like uh, absolutely not what's the most unusual request that you can remember Oh, we say we say no to a lot of things because you've got to be able to measure it. It's got to be specific, it's got to be verifiable, and it's got to be breakable. And so I can't think of one off the top of my head that we've said no to, but I will by the end of the interview. <laughs> got it. <laughs> uh, so with, with, with AI and VR and all the new platforms, what's, what's the most exciting um, new, I guess, new platform or new way to tell your story uh, that you're most excited about with Guinness? I think virtual reality records are really interesting. So, of course, when anything becomes uh, a craze, so even selfie sticks, you know, we had no records for selfies, but now we have the longest selfie stick. We have the most selfies taken in three minutes, and that record's been broken five times in the last 12 months. Um, and right here at Festival of Marketing, we're doing virtual reality records just down at Silicon Roundabout, yeah. which I think is most blocks being stacked. And we used to just, you know, most people wearing headsets. But what I think's exciting is what about if you can recreate meeting all those record holders through virtual reality. So you get to meet the tallest man, smallest man, longest fingernails, um, or do fastest time to put together Mr. Potato Head, but you're doing it all virtually. I think that's really exciting. Wow, that is really cool. And, and actually experience, how, how tall is the tallest man? Uh, eight foot, tallest living man is eight foot three inches. And so in the VR world, you could obviously just walk into this and actually shake his hand. Uh, yeah. That's actually quite incredible. How, what is it like to shake his hand? Is it literally, are you reaching your arm up in the air? I'm reaching my arm up in the air. And <laughs> yeah, my, my head is kind of halfway, sort of level with his belt. And his hand, my hand comes up to about there on him, middle of my hand. So wow. it's otherworldly is the only way I can explain And what is it. his name? Sultan Kozan. And he's from Turkey. Very interesting. Um, so, Sam, for many of us, it's strange to think that Guinness World Records started off uh, as content marketing for the brewery. Um, do you think it's still possible for brands to make such an impact uh, through through their own content? And, and do you think that, I, I guess, are, are there enough brands that are embracing their history? Uh, and how do you keep that story alive uh, without pushing it too far ahead with, with what's going on today? That's a very big question. It's a very big question. Um, let me take something like Jaguar. So they did. Uh, they wanted to celebrate their 80th anniversary, but they wanted to be fun and cool. So they did the largest loop the loop. So you know the Hot Wheels tracks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They replicated that adult style. It's one of my favorite records, and they did it at the Frankfurt Motor Show. And so that piece of content went crazy. 20 million views in 24 hours, and they've actually broken three more records with us since then. So I think that's a good example of a, of a, of a legacy brand, Jaguar, you know, luxury brand, doing something kind of really exciting and interesting. So... I think there's probably no limit to, to the ideas that brands can come up with. The challenge for us is then working with them, something that we can measure and track and that they can use in the future. Yeah. 
But uh, regarding the history of Guinness and the rich history um, uh, and the story, how do you keep that alive while still pushing the ideas forward and, and using the different platforms of technology? I think still selling books helps. So having, you know, um, I still want my kids to read. I think most parents want want their desperately want their kids to read and making that book fun and engaging. So you've got that legacy piece. But then taking the content and putting it out there, whether it's at live events. So we go along to live events and we do live record breaking. And and as you know, you know, going to live events as everything's become more digital, people actually want that experience. And then sharing that experience is, I think, part of the the key to success. And, and making sure we stay relevant. So talking about via and selfie records and we do a whole bunch of computer gaming records so I think we have to we have to still do the the classical stuff the legacy stuff and we have to embrace the future as well and as a marketer yourself do you consider yourself a marketer I do uh, what's what's the biggest challenge you, you face uh, moving into 2018 that there are not enough hours in the day <laughs> Um, I mean, that's, a, that's a, a general point because there's there's so much to do. But I think the challenge has been, I think specific, specifically for us, for Guinness World Records, is that you say Guinness World Records and you think, oh, yeah, that's the book. And so I often get asked, as I did at Ad Week in New York last week, oh, are you here selling the book? Uh, no, we're here working with, you know, 52 of the top 100 brands in the world have broken a record in the last year. And I think telling people what we're doing and, and that we're still around and that we've got these new ideas for businesses, I think that's my biggest challenge at the moment. Wow. And, and uh, being a marketer, who do you follow in the space? Who inspires you? Uh, anyone here at Festival Marketing that, that you saw that blew you away? Or uh, I know you're only in town for one day, correct? Um, I'm only at Festival of Marketing for one day. I know that um, Sherilyn Shacknell is speaking later on at four o'clock. She's the founder of the Marketing Academy. She usually has some good things to say. Um, I think Richard, Richard Branson, I don't think he's here, but he's kind of my hero. He has the most followers on LinkedIn. Yes. So his record, um, and I think some of the leadership content he puts out is really interesting. So I know he's not a marketer by trade, but he has some good stuff. That's interesting. I did, are, are, what's, are there social media records? Is there? Uh... Of course. Well, I, I, I need to catch up on this. So, um, so there, that is an actual category. Is number yes. most followers on LinkedIn? Most followers on LinkedIn is Richard Branson. Wow! And that is his Guinness World Record. What's the most popular social media uh, records out there? Um, there are lots of social media records now, and there's whole pages now dedicated to it in the book. I think the interesting one is the most liked or most, most retweeted. So it used to be the Obama picture, four more years, yeah. and then that record was taken by Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, nothing uh, sacred. When she posted, and I think the latest Obama picture where he's looking up at the three kids in the window yeah. is the current record holder. So we like those records because they get broken frequently, always great content. And, and you, can never, you can never guess what's going to be next, right? I mean, I mean, it's, it's Caitlyn Jenner. Who would have got that one uh, beating the president? We didn't predict that one, but it's it's back with the ex-president now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I don't even want to know how many records, uh, how many wrong records he's breaking. Uh, but back to, um, we, we were talking about failures. You promised me one failure or, or one, um, one sort of Guinness record breaking attempt gone wrong. You got that? Um, yes, I was trying to think of a brand that wouldn't mind me talking about failure because obviously people train and, and try to do things with Guinness World Records all the time and we're quite strict. We have our guidelines and you have to get the record. But Panasonic we've worked with for the last eight years. They hold the record for the longest lasting AA alkaline battery and they do different things every single year. So they wanted to power a plane entirely of those AA batteries. They had to fly a minimum of 10 kilometers or six miles and they flew across the ocean. It was in Japan. It was part of a project 
object and the plane crash landed into the sea and they didn't get the record. Everyone was fine. Yeah. Um, but what the students did is they created an advert about the failure and talked about embracing failure and put it out on social media just as much as if they'd actually got the Guinness World Records title. And so I thought that was a fantastic example of, you know, you really couldn't sort of deny the human spirit. But the good news is they are going to try and rebuild the plane and power it with batteries again. Wow. And so uh, what's, what's, where does that leave the uh, Energizer Bunny? I don't know about the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> oh, the Energizer Bunny. He's in the States. He's the bunny that keeps going and going and going. But if... if uh, Panasonic has the record. If Panasonic has the record, that... I mean, I see some, uh, some, some good uh, banter for uh, another advert. So anyway, <laughs> excellent example. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Awesome. Uh, Sam Faye, thank you so much for being on the show today. Pleasure. Uh, and and uh, it's been an, an eye-opening <laughs> journey here with, with Guinness. And I am actually going to come up with some sort of record, good. find two witnesses, and document it. Uh, and I'm going to send it off as an application. So uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Thank you, and awesome. good luck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>